Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. I almost forgot that last part, with your friends and with your family. Mm -hmm. I could have been asking you to do it with literally anyone. And isn't that a challenge in and of itself? Like a different way that we could live into this whole talking about the gospel. You know what we want you to do this week? Discuss the gospel with someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. Actually, with your enemy. Now you're Inspired by last week. (laughs) 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 With your sworn enemy, discuss the gospel. And tell us about it. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for tuning back in for this uh, week's episode. Uh, it's Charlotte and I today, the dynamic duo. Yes. As we like to call ourselves. <laughs> maybe this is the first time <laughs> you've maybe. ever used that phrase. Who knows? I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I've been doing focus groups, actually. Um, we are going to be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent. I know. Everybody in year C for Sunday, March 6th. Wow. Um, New liturgical season, uh, new kind of themes and feelings. We're going to, I think we'll probably talk about that in the context because obviously, you know, the readings are now chosen for the season. Mm -hmm. And so the the readings from, that will be from Luke. uh, Well, at least this one's from Luke for this first Sunday are going to be, you know, chosen because of the theme of the themes in Lent around whatever repentance self-reflection that kind of temptation time we're going to hear about jesus in the desert the 40 days and things like that so uh it's not so much kind of like moving in a narrative fashion through the gospels but because like when we're in advent or when we're in lent uh or when we're in easter we're like picking instructional we're we're picking from thematic Mm -hmm. readings uh and so we're still in luke today but we're going to be doing like a time warp back to luke chapter four but Anyway, before we get into the gospel, we always check in with one another as we always want to, you know, hear from you and check in with you. And we hope you are checking in with other people, with yourself. Charlotte, where did you see God this past week? I'm actually going to reflect way back in time, speaking Mm. of a time warp, because I've been wanting to share this story for a little while now. And so you're hearing the gospel for March 6th, and my reflection actually comes from February 6th, which was the Epiphany Retreat at Camp Stevens. And the Epiphany tr- Retreat in the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego is a time that youth in grades 6 through 12 gather at Camp Stevens for fun and laughter an opportunity to grow closer to God and to the world around them. And we haven't gotten to do it in two years. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the beginning of that time was planned intentionally to create connection and rapport because let's be honest, all of us have forgotten a little bit about how to be in community. That's not something that many of us have had very much experience with in this last season or nine seasons that we've been in. But The check-in at the beginning, we always check in at the beginning, and it's name, pronouns, how you are coming to this space, Mm -hmm. and then something that you would like the group to know about you. And that could be something small and simple, like I play volleyball or avocados are the best food ever. Um, Or you can use it as an opportunity to share something that is more relevant to you, something that you want to put out right away. And I was blown away with the immediate 
openness and vulnerability of that conversation of allowing room for people to be fully seen um, and to allow other people to connect to you because of the vulnerability that you shared. And it reminded me that we are all able to provide that openness and vulnerability to each other. Mm -hmm. And that when we do that, it allows God to move through that space and, and with each other. And I am a hundred percent convinced that the joy that was shared that weekend, that the love that was shared that weekend came from that initial conversation of people's willingness to crack themselves open and be just fully themselves Mm -hmm. in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always amazing to me how in group situations like that, the vulnerability, even though just one single person can like really set the tone for not just that moment in time, but like for the, in this kind of like momentum that goes forward into days and however long you're together. And also that like, there's always like a vulnerability bar that Mm -hmm. you can like keep setting higher and higher and like invites vulnerability, which I love. And so it's that amazing way of thinking about reciprocity, kind of similar to a couple of weeks ago when Jesus was talking about like the measure you give is the measure you receive. It's like when you can, when you open yourself to another person in intimacy and vulnerability, you know, in like ways that they have, they have earned your kind of trust in that way. Maybe, uh, it like, it just invites that same kind of that reciprocal vulnerability. Yeah. And that's so cool. Well, and we have that power like for one another, you know? Well, and also it names to us the importance of the relationship of honoring that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and how we choose to proceed, um, really reflects that opportunity to grow together. All right. And we hope you're having, you know, times of vulnerability in your life, finding spaces to be intimate and share, you know, important parts of who you are with the people that you love that have earned your trust, that have earned that kind of uh, level of vulnerability with you. As Brene Brown likes to say, people have to have filled up your uh, vulnerability jar. So uh, we would always love to hear from you. Who are those people that you are, you know, having those vulnerable conversations with? Who's opening up that space for you? Where are you seeing God or feeling God in your life? When is it hard to feel God or see God in your uh, moving in your life these days? Uh, We'd also love to hear any of your uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or personal reflection. Uh, you can always email us, faithtogoedsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, where you can also find all of those Faith to Go resources that we hope are helping you facilitate and prompt that kind of personal reflection or discussion with your family or discussion with your group or your community. You can also follow us or tag us or direct message us on Instagram at faith to go And you can also call us and leave a voicemail or you can send us a text message Five six two three eight four seven six three eight. That's five six two FTG Pod eight, and you can find all of those, uh, all that contact info, in the description for this podcast episode. So just scroll down, clickable links. Very easy to let us know what's happening for you, and we'd love to hear from you. So now we're going to transition to our conversation about the gospel for this Sunday again, March sixth, the first Sunday in Lent in Year C, twenty twenty two. And it's from the beginning of Luke chapter four, Luke four verses one to 13. Charlotte is going to read it and then I'll have some context and we'll each share a point. After his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 
He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. All right. This is a week where this is this was the kind of week built for a context section because of what is going on. Uh, the changeover into a new liturgical season. The fact that we've just gone backwards in time uh, from all the narrative kind of stories that we've been hearing through Epiphany. Because essentially we heard all of the aftermath and like the ways that Jesus moved into the world after this intense, you know, wilderness experience. And now we're going back and like reading the story of that, about the experience. So if you remember all the way back in the third Sunday after Epiphany, uh, what is that, like eight weeks ago or something, we heard Luke chapter 4 verses 14 to 21. That's what happens right after this. So Jesus goes right from here right into Galilee and then into the temple where he's talk where he stands up and reads this the scroll from Isaiah the spirit of the lord is upon me and the people drive him out of the town that that all happens right after this so this is the story uh just preceding that one the very beginning of chapter 4 right after he's baptized in the Jordan by uh John the Baptist so we're going way back 5 chapters from where we were uh this past Sunday uh this last week we're talking with Megan about the uh, transfiguration up on the mountain. So the reason for that is because we're heading into Lent, which is 40 days plus Sundays. So it's mm -hmm. technically more than 40 days. Um, but it's these uh, seven weeks of Lent, 40 days to match the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness. And we're being asked, it's, it's good because we're reading this story about like what Jesus's experience of those 40 days was like. And that's kind of what we're taking on. Mm -hmm. uh, when we're talking about Lent and there's a like, there's like a really penitential, uh, spirit of Lent that we kind of carry with us in the tradition. And I think my, my hope for that kind of, that kind of feeling is to move it less towards kind of like the shame and guilt feeling of how it's, how it's been at least in po like popularly thought of about like really, you know, beating ourselves up for what we've done or who we are or, sin or whatever we're talking about. I think really what we're trying to do is follow Jesus into the desert for these 40 days and do what Jesus does, which is take time away, mm -hmm. you know, um, put things to get things kind of into perspective, take our, he's taking his time before he jumps into this really big ministry, 
really big, intense three years of doing things to like take some time to himself to get to know himself, to reflect on who he is, to reflect on where he's come from, to reflect on what he's going to need moving forward and to come into contact with these temptations, these challenges, these needs for, as we're going to talk about, more control and power. And like, this is really what the time is. It's not beating ourselves up for that thing we did two weeks ago that God doesn't like. It's like an invitation into an intentional time of reflection. And repentance is not the same as just feeling shame and guilt all the time. Repentance is about changing action about a change and a reorientation. And so if all we're doing is leaving Lent, feeling worse about ourselves than we did when we started, I don't think we've really repented. <laughs> we, might have, we might have been penitential and been sad about what we've done. But uh, you know, God is inviting us into something, something more, some wholeness through, like we're moving through uh, those feelings, moving towards them, engaging with them so that something new is being born in us like is being born in Jesus where he has the energy and the self-differentiation and the and the and the capacity to go and do the things that we've just heard him doing, you know, mm -hmm. over the last 8 weeks. So, that's my context for Lent and for this gospel and Charlotte has the first point. I do. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days. We have we have come to we have read that it's clear for us in it. Um, he has been fasting. The word famished is actually in here. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit in my own personal context that I find famished to be almost a silly word. Um, like famished is, you know, oh, I can't wait to have pizza. I'm famished. Right. Um, it doesn't have that same connotation for us in our everyday life as probably when the Bible was written, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is extreme hunger. Mm -hmm. And those experiences of Jesus's are very human experiences, um, remembering that Jesus is fully God and fully human. And yet these experiences of hunger and being in the desert and all of those, those lean into Jesus's human side and feel feelings in his body. And so the devil arrives at this time and starts asking these questions that are named at a vulnerable time for Jesus and so tempting Jesus to respond in a human way mm -hmm. for sure. And yet over and over again, Jesus is able to point back to God in, in this exchange and quote scripture, which the devil does too. Mm -hmm. um, but just reaffirming like, this is what it means to be in relationship with God. No, I won't do this because this is what it means to be relationship with God. And it's really powerful. And it's also eye-opening for me. Um, because let's be honest, a lot of times if we're giving something over to God, just like Jesus does in this, we really want to give God some conditions. <laughs> but I won't speak for you, David, but I do. I have certainly been in that, particularly when I am in a really vulnerable place, when I have been encountering challenges in my life, um, when I am famished for the goodness of God, that that's when I hit my knees mm -hmm. and offer prayer and supplication and ask God to move through a situation and to be with me in that situation. 
And oftentimes I may be a little directive in my communication. God, can you be with me in this situation in this specific way? This is, this is how I need you to move through it, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I try not to do that. I try to be open to make sure. And like if I catch myself doing it, I try to back myself up and be like, please be present in this moment with me. Please walk with me. Please help me to be open. Please help me to see the humanity of another person. All of those things that are just less directive and more allowing God to be God in situations. And it's really hard. And I haven't been wandering in the wilderness and I haven't been fasting for 40 days. And Jesus has been doing all of these things. And yet so often, especially in this season of Lent, and just as you were saying in the context, what we are invited to do is to repent and do it another way. And I think that this scripture really gives us that. It gives us the visual of when we are at our most broken, when we are hungry and tired and really desperate of what it can look like instead of responding poorly, um, maybe being grumpy or argumentative, uh, that instead that we can create this like repointing to God um, and being open to how God is moving in it. Because also it's fair to say that a lot of times um, this experience of when something is going hard in our life, we feel like God's not there at all. Mm -hmm. We feel alone and isolated and we are scarcity, right? Like everything about it is scarcity. And that is the time when when we are experiencing our temptations and that we can wallow in them and allow them to consume us or we can instead choose to do it differently and to crack open and to point back to God and to notice even notice the ways that God is moving in the world around us is is a way of repenting and doing it differently because we've been so consumed with our own identity and our own problems that that we just haven't noticed anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. I think it's interesting because we see so clearly here that the devil is leaning into this conversation with leaning into Jesus's human identity. Mm. And Jesus just keeps pointing right back just keeps pointing back to like what it really means and how can we do that in our own lives mm-hmm. yeah and that that feeling of the thing about control really is also is also my point just thinking about how the devil is like inviting jesus to be in control and jesus is using jesus is is quoting scriptures that are spe- actually the devil is quoting scriptures too mm-hmm. they're all they're both quoting scripture uh, that are about not having control, essentially, like about not being able to live on bread alone, but, uh, you know, having to trust in God, which is like, so these, all of these scriptures, two of them are from, are from Psalm 91. The, the angels will protect you and will bear you up. That's from Psalm 91. And the other ones are from Deuteronomy six and Deuteronomy eight, not living by bread alone and not putting the Lord, your God to the test. And so it's all like when, when the, when the devil is inviting Jesus into these kind of situations where Jesus gets to take control of something, Jesus's response is, well, God is really in control. And like, that is, that is the most important thing for me to do is to remain in that orientation to God. And so in the ways that Jesus does that is by saying, you know, don't live by bread alone, i.e. I need to trust in God for my own kind of like survival and nourishment to serve only God rather than other people serving me. 
Um, meaning like I need to be in constant discernment about where God is moving and in, inviting me into. And like, don't put the Lord your God to the test, i.e. like don't make, don't like to put your, to put God to the test is to not, is to stop really believing mm-hmm. <laughs> and to need certainty, you know? And so it's kind of cool that, that like that is Jesus's, that has where, that's where Jesus has gotten after these 40 days, you know? And Jesus is like showing what has been cultivated in him after that time of being in the wilderness is that capacity to like safeguard, um, like the need to, to the ability to hold and safeguard that uncertainty and insecurity for the sake of something more. And so I'm thinking about how, like I'm thinking about that dynamic of like control and power. I'm thinking specifically, I'm specifically I'm struck by how like these three tests, one doing some sort of miraculous thing with a loaf of bread, um, two having total power and authority in the world and three like sacri- like sacrificing your life knowing that God is going to save you um Jesus ends up kind of doing all the three mm-hmm. of these things but Jesus does them in his ministry in radically different ways than the devil is trying to get him to do them. And reason and for reasons and for radically different reasons than the devil is trying to get him to do them for, for which he's trying to get them to him to do them. And so like, I'm thinking about like when Jesus does eventually, uh, do a miracle with a loaf of bread, it's like only because another person provides the bread, you know, and then Jesus does this miraculous thing, but Jesus doesn't make bread just appear out of nowhere or turn another thing into a loaf of bread. And it's an, and that act is not about feeding himself, but about mm-hmm. feeding everyone, you know, and, and the act of everyone having enough. So it's really about abundance, whereas this one is about scarcity. And that one is about participation rather than about Jesus being able to control physical matter, however he might want. And then thinking about this thing about like, you know, being able to like have, have glory and all authority over all these kingdoms. Well, it, in, in terms of our, like, from our Christian perspective, Jesus has a lot of authority and glory <laughs> in a lot of kingdoms, but it's not because, it's not because he's a ruler of those things, but because of, like, the way that he, like, flipped, like, kingdom and ruler and power on its head to be, like, the way that we, the way that we have power is to empower one another. It's, like, this very bottom up rather than top down that, that the devil is inviting him into. And so Jesus' whole like thing is to reorient that kind of authority and power to be one that is, again, participatory and empowering. And then thinking about the last one about like the devil is essentially asking him to sacrifice himself so that people can see how much power he has. And, and Jesus does that. He sacrifices himself for the, for the people he loves the most, for the cause he knows to be the most important for the liberation and freedom of people for that radical reorientation. And he doesn't do it by overpowering people, but by giving up his power. Mm-hmm. And so again, like I'm just struck by how in the end Jesus does all these things, but the way that he does them is just radically upside down from the way that the devil is like, like tempting him to do it so that the temptations the things he's tempted to do, he actually does. 
but they become like liberating and life-giving and world-saving, you know, in however way you want to interpret that because he's oriented to power differently because he's, it's not about controlling the world. It's not about controlling things or controlling people, controlling kingdoms. It's about like giving over control Mm -hmm. again, back to the original thing where all these scriptures that he's quoting is like giving back control to spirit, to where God is moving in the world, to something bigger than yourself, you know? And so I think that's just so cool to think like the things I, it makes me think about desire. If like, this is about the devil really pushing on Jesus's buttons of desire. Like Jesus can fulfill those, those, the desire isn't the bad thing. The, the, the thing that is destructive and that can cause suffering is to try to, is to orient yourself to the desire through one, like an orientation of power and control. And that's when I think it's painful, Mm -hmm. but the desire itself is not bad, you know? So it's like, maybe that is part of our, like a a Lenten reflection is like, what is tempting to me? (laughs) You know, what is like a deep desire that I have? And instead of thinking, oh, the devil's trying to tempt me and make me do that. Like, no, the devil's naming things that Jesus is going to do. But the reason, the way that they, the, the way that the devil orients them is to be about control and power. And so I love that idea of reorienting things. All right. So that was our two points for this week, uh, both kind of about control and power and our orientation to those things. So uh, first point was Charlotte's and about, uh, you know, what, allowing God to move in our lives how we will and seeing God uh, and being aware, again, growing in that awareness and self-reflection about how God is moving in our life and when we open ourselves up to new possibilities, uh, not trying to control, you know, the outcomes and just seeing what happens like Jesus does uh, here and so many other places, really. Uh, And that kind of went into mine, uh, number two, which was the idea that Jesus ended up doing all these things that uh, the devil was tempting him to do just in a very different way, in a very different orientation uh, to the world and to the people around him, highly participatory and empowering instead of controlling and overpowering. So we would love to hear from you. What would your third point have been this week if you had been on the podcast? Uh, what was your what were your questions or comments or stories that came up in your week of faith discussion or personal reflection? We'd love to hear from you where you saw God or felt God moving this past week. You can almost always email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. Uh, where you can also find all of those faith to go resources for personal reflection, for family discussion, for community or group discussion with a small group. You can uh, follow us or direct message us or tag us on Instagram at faith to go, or you can send us a text message or call us and leave us a voicemail five, six, two, three, eight, four, seven, six, three, eight. That's five, six, two FTG pod eight. And again, all of those are listed in the description of this podcast. And That's it for this week, so we'll be back uh, next week to talk about the second Sunday in Lent. And until then, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.